All right. I um, I have a word. Really, uh, the word's coming out of the place of what I feel like the Lord is preparing this house for in us. And uh, that I would say 95% of the time here we talk about the prophetic, healing, um, the grace of God and that God has done it all for us. There is, there is nothing that we can, we, can, we can do our best to respond to the love of God, but we're always going to fall short of that in the, in the sense of that he's just done everything for us. And, um, but I do think there are moments in life and times where maturity, and the Bible talks about it, and that maturity is actually really important. And that we don't stay in a place of where we started. It, righteousness is the, the, the doorway into the intimate life with Jesus. And, but we shouldn't stay there. Does that make sense? We should grow in maturity and in, in uh, wisdom and in understanding and all those things. And so I don't want you to hear this message this morning as in I have to, you have to do more to get something from God, but there is an outworking of our faith that is required. Yeah? And so I kind of want to preach the other side of a coin that we probably preach this side of the coin very often because it is the gospel. Um, but I want to kind of preach the other side of the coin because I, you know, Jesus said, you will know, they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you attend church. Oh, I didn't say that, did he? He said, by the way, you love one another. And, and so the way that we love each other and the way that we love the world is really, really significant and really important. And David, David, he slew a, a lion and a bear when no one was watching. And then he got given the opportunity to kill a giant and conquer an army when everyone was watching. And so the way that we actually... Uh, Christianity is not behaviour modification. That's what Christianity is not. Okay, Christianity is new, you died to your old life in sin and you were resurrected as a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. But it is also then from that we learn who we've become and we respond accordingly. It isn't, Christianity isn't, I still live the way that I used to live. Right, does that make sense? And so, uh, so there is a maturing process and there is a maturity that we need to walk in and grow in and learn in. And I'm, I'm preaching to everyone. This isn't kind of into one single thing, but I'm, I just want to preach on this this morning because I, I really, really, really believe uh, what the Lord wants to do here requires us to be, to learn how to steward the presence of God in a mature way and to learn how to not, not keep doing this, the cyclical cycle of um, Christian things where there, that th this house would be a mature house and that this house would be known by the way that we love not just each other, but we love the world. Oh, that, that, that people, and I don't care what people say, but that th people would go, oh, man, this house, wow, they just love people. I'm not sure I agree with everything, but, man, they love one another so well. And they just lay their lives down for each other and they're in each other's lives. Now, I can't be friends with everyone and I can't be close with everyone in that same way. And 
same with you guys, but that you can, that we can actually be uh, in each other's lives and do community and do it well. And that's part of home groups. I think home groups are a massive, significant part of the future of the church because that people would be known, they'd be, they'd be in a community where they belong um, and they would be accountable. And accountable is this. People often say accountable is you come, you know, I grew up, when I became a Christian in church, accountability things were you meet once a week with, hey, gorgeous. <laughs> um, accountability was come to the pastor and confess your sins and then he'll tell you to try harder and do better and come back next week and see if you've done it right. Right? Am I the only one that's ever been through that? Okay. Um, and so, whereas an accountability is an account of your ability. That's accountability. It's an account of who you are in God. And you and I are designed for community. We're designed to do fellowship and do life together. We weren't designed to be little islands floating in the sea and calling each other the body that's separated from each other. That's not who we are. And so I want to go to, well, Romans, I've got a few scriptures here. We're going to start in 2 Peter, actually. 2 Peter 1. So turn with me to 2 Peter 1. Heidi Baker says, love looks like something. So love looks like something. It has, love has an outward expression of an inward reality. Um, you know, it would, it would, we sang it this morning about the alabaster jar. You know, I, I love that story of the alabaster jar where, um, the, the woman, you know, just pours out her perfume on Jesus, prepares him for burial. But she would have stunk exactly the same as Jesus did because she was that intimate with Jesus. She was that close. She would have smelled the same as Jesus. And when, we, when G- Christianity isn't about us incorporating Jesus into our life, it's actually saying yes to the one thing and then everything else falls in around that. Does that make sense? So there's not, there, there, are, there are in your lives, you should have non-negotiables. You should have non-negotiables in your life. Like this is a non-negotiable in my life. Or this is, you know, these things are, that we set our lives up in such a way, not because of religion, but because of, wow, I'm so in love with Jesus. This is the way that I want to live my life. And we don't, we're not incorporating him in. And so... Anyway, 2 Peter 1, are you there? Verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them, through what? Through the promises. You may, uh, sorry, I've lost my. You may, uh, to us, it's very good promise, so that you may become partakers of the divine nature. Right? Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world 
because of sinful desire. So let's just pause right there. We have been taken out of the world in that sense. We're now, we've been separated of the world, but we're still in the world. We're separated out of from sinful desire. We've been taken out of that. And now we're partakers of the divine. We're a partaker of the divine nature of God. And we've escaped, having escaped the corruption because of sinful desire. For this very reason, okay, because of the reason we've been taken out of the world and escaped the world of sinful desire, right, because of that reason, make every effort. This is the part that you and I get to play. Make every effort, every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Now, here's the... Here's what a lot of people do. They read scripture and they say, I'm not, I'm not walking in those things. And so they feel guilt, shame, condemnation and whatever. Turn with me to James. Turn with me to James real quick. Put it, just keep a finger there. We're going to come back to that. But turn with me to James. Has anyone ever done that? Like you've, 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 uh, you've read the Bible and you're like, man, oh man, I can't measure up to that. You know, you've, anyone? Yeah? few of you. Okay. Listen to this. James 1 verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For is anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. All right, so what's James talking about? He's talking about the word, right? Are you tracking? For he, uh, sorry, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So if we go back now, if we go back to 2 Peter 1, where we just were, right? And we go back to all of those things that just, that were laid out, love, gentleness, Knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, brotherly, uh, brother, and brotherly affection with love. These qualities are qualities that you don't have to attain. They're qualities you actually already have. Because you're looking at the perfect law of liberty. You're looking as in a mirror, the word of God. And if you walk away and forget who you've become, then you won't live that out. But if you know who you are and you look at the perfect law of love, Jesus, then you walk out what, who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, an orange tree doesn't produce apples. It just naturally produces oranges. 
And if you squeeze an orange, hopefully orange juice comes out. If it doesn't, something's wrong with the, with the tree. When we squeeze Christians, often not Christ comes out. <laughs> often something else comes out. I don't, I don't know why that is. When Christians get squeezed, Christ should come out. When you get backed into a corner, Jesus should come out. Because you have steadfastness, love, gentleness, self-control, all of those things are yours and increasing because you're a partaker of the divine nature. So we're not reflections of the world. I have a little chuckle to myself. I... Yeah, I remember sitting with a pastor once and, and I, got, I got his heart. His heart was right. I, I got his heart. But he said, Liam, you know, I reckon when Jesus would, if Jesus had have come in now, he probably would have been, a, a, you know, he would have been one of those guys from Millgrove. Sorry if you're from Millgrove. This is just what he said. <laughs> He said he would have been one of those guys from Millgrove with a pack of smokes in his, his top pocket and he would have, you know. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, that's the king of glory you're talking about. I don't, that's fine if he came from Millgrove, but he, he wouldn't have been carrying around smokes in his top pocket. <laughs> this was a pastor, right? I got his heart. What he was trying to say was he can relate to all people of life. And I was like, yes, he totally can. But we have been called separate from the world, but we're called to love the world and we're called to show Christ and love, not just to the body and the brethren, but to the world around us without compromising on who God is and who we are. Jesus didn't have to sleep with prostitutes to relate to prostitutes. He didn't have to lower his standard to relate to the woman caught in adultery. He didn't have to, he, he didn't need to do that. He was so knew who he was, but if someone threw stones at him, he could say, Father, forgive them. They don't know who they are and they don't know what they're doing. You know, he says to even the, oh, who, how many times should we forgive? And he says, you know, seven times 70. It's unlimited. That's basically what he was saying. And then he says, you know, he paints the picture in Matthew 15, Matthew, Luke 15, Matthew 15, where he says, you know, if I have a problem with my brother, what should I do? Well, go and deal with it. Go to them. Go directly to them. Have a, have a conversation. And if it sorts itself out, awesome. What about next? Oh, well, if that doesn't work, try and deal with it, you know, with some people. And then if that doesn't work, go to the church and, you know, divulge all your, their dirty laundry in front of the whole congregation. No, that's not what he's talking about, right? He's saying try and remain in unity and the bond of peace as much as you can. This is what Jesus is saying. And then he says, even if that doesn't work, treat them as sinners and tax collectors. And people go, yes, that's what I'm looking for. Kick them out, put them, throw them under the bus. 
Well, how did Jesus treat sinners and tax collectors? He loved them. Regardless. He loved them. There's a great story. I, I was talking with someone on the weekend. I was trying to figure it out. Someone might know it better. But the story is basically this. Where a very high influential human being, famous politician, whatever. This is just a made up story, I think. But um, he's walking through the foyer and he gets berated. He gets abused. He gets, you know, called names by this somebody or other and he just doesn't respond and he just just acts in gentleness he acts in love he acts in brotherly affection he acts in kindness and this right hand this guy's right hand man says to him do that does this guy not know who you are he he should not treat you that way and the guy says i can afford it His point is, I can afford to be treated poorly because I'm actually super secure in who I am. It doesn't mean he has to put, you have to put yourself in circumstances where you're going to be abused. and That's not what I'm talking about, right? But the point is, I can afford it. I can afford to be ridiculed. I can afford to be treated in a way that might not be comfortable because I'm getting squeezed as a Christian and all that's going to come out is love. It doesn't mean we don't hurt. It doesn't mean we don't have feelings. It doesn't mean we don't have emotions. It doesn't mean we don't have any of those things, but we respond out of love. It doesn't mean we don't have conversations where someone maybe wrongs us and we don't go to them and say, hey, do you know what? The way that you talked to me in that moment, it actually really hurt me. And I actually want to maintain peace with you and love with you. And so I just want you to be aware that that didn't come across super well. Can we talk about that? Or can we have these healthy confrontational conversations that we actually are growing together in love? And so, you know, there are, there are times, and, there are, and you, you're not going to do that with everyone, but you're going to do that with some people that you're close with. And, you know, when we died with Christ, we lost all our rights to be offended. Yeah. This is a big one in our culture. We lost all our rights to be offended because Paul said, it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. So that means I lost the right to be offended. You and I have the ability to be unoffendable. Do you, you don't think Jesus was like broken over Peter's denial? I think he would have been. He had all the attributes of a human, Jesus. I think he would have been completely broken over Judas. I think that would have cut him to the core. But he was never offended. He was never jealous. He was never bitter. He, was, he, he didn't respond 
out of that spirit. He responded out of love. And accountability is I love you way too much to leave you in this place, so I'm going to draw you out of that. It doesn't mean we dance around sin or we dance around these things, but accountability is I want to keep you an account of the person who you've become and who you are. I'm going to draw the gold out of you so that you can walk the best life that God's called you to live. You know, Jesus said, blessed are those who are, who are persecuted because of righteousness' sake. What do, we, what do we think, that we're going to just live a different life to the world and not have people come at us? I mean, let's just be real about it. We are supposed to look different to the world. Love hurts. <laughs> Love's vulnerable. It's putting yourself on the open, you know, on the stone and letting someone have a cut at you. It's like, you know, anyone that's had children knows love hurts. <laughs> you love them. You love them. Anyone that's, you know, had a, uh, you know, a spouse or a partner or loved someone or loved a niece or a nephew or whatever. It's like love hurts when you put yourself out there and you, you know, let, what, I can't remember who said it, but they said when you have a baby, you know, and then they grow up and you let them, you know, go. It's like letting other people dissect your child, you know, like cut them open and have, you know, do what they want with them because you, you, it hurts. They're your kids. And God's the same. God's the same that he's like, love hurts. Love does hurt. So it's not void of emotion and all those things. But love does not seek its own. And love is unoffendable. Hebrews 5, we'll just go there real quick. Hebrews 5, you're very quiet. <laughs> Thinking, that's good. Yeah. How are we going for time? Okay, nearly done. Hebrews 5, verse... We'll go verse 11. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracle of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of, unri- in right- in, uh, unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he is a, like a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. Constant practice, constant training. This is, I'm going to try and wrap this up. You and I, I really believe prophetically, this house, this church, that people... Um, I don't want people to come. Everything we've done here, we might not be the most organised all the time, although Matt and Sarah are just smashing it at getting the organisation down. Pat, they're killing it. Praise God for people like that in my life. (laughs) Right? So, but this church, when we planted this church, um, we, uh, we made a deliberate decision 
that we wouldn't do massive promotions and we wouldn't do very clever marketing strategies because I wanted people to come because of the presence of God, not because of anything else. I wanted people to come because Jesus resides here and lives here. And, and so we, our heart here for this house is, is Hebrews 5 is a big part of it, is that we would, it would be a training and equipping center in the gifts of the Spirit, and we don't apologize for that, in the, in the miraculous, and we don't apologize for that, in the prophetic, and we don't apologize for that, and evangelism, and all those things that are the gospel. But that we'd also be a people that are known by our love for one another, and our kindness, and our acts of service, and the things that we actually do with what we've been given. That we actually not just become hearers of the word, but we also become doers of the word. We don't do to become, but we do because we've become. And so, and that we would be a people that are a light in our community. I don't know if you saw this week, but I got to do an article with the Star Mail in the local newspaper because of the Ukrainian fundraiser. And she quoted, she quoted one of the things that I say often, which is that our city should look better because we're here. And that requires action. That requires not 20% of the church doing 80% of the work. It requires 100% of the church doing 100% of the work. And it requires the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And that's our role, is that we would be saints doing the work of ministry. Now, that's going to look different for every single person in this room. I get that. Right? But that we would have our senses and that we would be grow in maturity because of practice. And I love Lisa's story because, and Lisa does this so well, and so many in this room do this so well, that we, that we would be a people that would be so trained, not out of a, like, worldly training but in a christian sense of training that we would be so trained that love responds naturally that would be so trained because we've looked for opportunities to sow seeds of love that we have our senses trained to discern good and evil that we'd walk into a shop and we're not like oh I need to respond like a Christian. No, you would naturally respond like a Christian because of the time that you've spent with God. Yeah? I mean, I'm a soccer player. There are things... I've played soccer now for 30 years. I started when I was four. So 31 years, actually. There you go. And there are things now that I do with a soccer ball, I'm not consciously thinking about it. It's become like you'd call divine nature. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it become like second nature, right? The, it, it, the ball beca- becomes an extension of my, of my foot. Now, it would be a bummer if all I did was go to training and train Every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Sunday at 10 a.m., every home group meeting, all I did was train and I never get to put that into an actual game. We've got to get off the bench. 
I used to hate, I used to hate getting substituted. Now I don't mind it because my body needs a break. <laughs> but I used to hate getting substituted. I'm like, I've trained all week. Cam could tell you, Cam played with me. I did not like it when I got taken off. I was like, oh, I want to play. I want to be in the game. And I, I just, I really believe that, that this, we would be people that it's, we'd be in the game. We'd come, we'd get training, we'd get equipped, we'd get the fivefold around us, but we'd be in the game and that this house would be known by our love for one another and the way that we love people. And that people, you know, be, you know, I love the story in, in Reading in California where someone went through the drive through at Starbucks and they paid for the person behind them and that lasted for five and a half hours where people just kept blessing the person behind them. I'd like to know who the person is that stopped it, but anyway. No. <laughs> um, the point is, a, act, a natural act caused a spiritual atmosphere to take place where love penetrated that environment and people drove in to that environment. A natural obedience to hugging a woman, blessing a woman, giving a prophetic word, giving someone money, doing whatever it is, a natural act of kindness and love out of a place of genuine love. Not a, you're not trying to give something to get something. You're doing something because you've already become something. That creates have, uh, opportunities for heaven to invade. It doesn't... God, people, this whole mindset of... Oh, well, God knows my address. All the promises of God are yes, but there does require an amen. There does require a response and an act of obedience for that to come. It's not just, well, I'll sit back and wait, and if God wants to show up, he'll show up. He showed up. He showed up. He's in you. You have partakers of the divine nature, and now it requires an outworking. Does that make sense? All right. I'll tell this one story and then I'll share the big news. Don't worry, Shen and I are not pregnant. (laughs) Yet. No. (laughs) Um, We used to do outreach. I think maybe a few, maybe people were in here. We used to do outreach down in Moorabark all the time. We do it Thursday nights now in Lillardale, but we'd, we'd go to Moorabark and, and uh, we, I remember this one time we, we came across this woman, we asked her for prayer, she said, no, I'm not interested, thanks so much. And I just went back and I said, hey, listen, I know you're not, you didn't want prayer, but I said, I just want to bless you um, with $100, and I just took out 100 bucks and we gave her the money, and she, she said, I don't actually need money, I'm really, I'm quite wealthy. I'm a lawyer and I've, I've done really well. But, and she just stopped though and she looked at me and she said, you guys actually believe what you're talking about, don't you? And it cracked open. I, we ended up talking to this lady for about half an hour. She's going through a divorce and she let us pray for her at the end and just bless her. And she ended up keeping the $100. The point is love, love, genuine love will crack open anything. Any person, any darkness, there isn't a person in a place of darkness that love cannot take them out of because it's the greatest force in the universe is love. When it's love that's a show and a performance, people can read it. They're pretty good. People are pretty switched on. 
They know when it's fake. They know when it's not real and they know when it's a show. But when it's out of a place of genuine love of like, hey, I just want to love you with no strings attached because I want to show you the love that Christ has shown to me, which is unconditional love. And even if you throw stones at me, I'm not going to be offended and throw stones back. I'm not going to give the woman on the road the middle finger or whatever. I'm going to show Christ when no one is watching. Because when we do that, I really believe that God will bring increase and bring favour when people are watching. We don't do it for the increase in the favour. We do it because who he is. But when you seek first his kingdom, there is reward. There is maturity and there is growth. And anything healthy should grow. All right. I, I just want us to be aware. I want us to go back to this place of first love and back to this place of actually, I have a role to play. I'm a part of this. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a consumer. I'm a contributor. And, you know, when, I, when we first got pregnant, um, I started noticing all the prams on the road, you know? You just, you become aware. You're like, holy smokes, there's all these prams everywhere. And I kept stopping people. Hey, what's your pram? How easy does it fold up? Or, you know, it's like when you buy a new car, you know, you see that car all the time. The car was always there, but you just become aware of it. And I want us to, as a, as a community and as a house, that we would become aware of the needs and the th- opportunities where love can invade, where we can respond in love, where the brokenness needs to be healing, where there's darkness, there needs to be light, where whatever, whatever the circumstances and situations. But we'd become aware of the need. We, when we trained our youth kids at YVV, we'd take them out on the streets every now and again. And one of the number one things that they'd come back and say is, I was not aware of how many people were just depressed, broken and hurting because I never took the time to look for it. And so I want to just bring us back to that place. This is quite a simple message this morning, but um, a simple place that we would be a people that love well and not require anything in return in all act, deed, and in well-being. And so, all right, let me pray. Father, I just thank you this morning for this house. I thank you for the people in this place. I thank you that you would um, continue to show us who we are, that we are partakers of the divine nature, but we also have a, a maturing process that we would grow because of practice and because of discernment, because of training. We would grow in the area of love and awareness and steadfastness and brotherly affection, that this would be a community that is known by its love, that it's known by the way we not just love you, but the way we actually show love to the world around us. And I pray that this house, that it would be a house where people belong, that this house would be a place where people come and they find shelter and refuge, they find healing, they find miracles, they find a God who's alive and well that they wouldn't come because of one individual, they'd come because of the individual, Jesus. And I just pray that right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen.